This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to a bonus There Will Be Dungeons. Yes, that's right, about a quick half hour or so, some time spent with you once a month. And we do it because you support us as a Dungeons Plus member. If you're hearing this later and you're like, oh man, I could have gotten this earlier, you sure could have. Head on over to therewillbedungeons.com and sign up today. Uh, quick note before we get going here, Bo's got a cool idea that we want to talk about real quick where you can contribute some cool stuff to what we do. Bo, do you want to explain how this works and where this should go? Yes, I do, Scott. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, players pretend headphones off. You can just pretend. <laughs> um, uh, essentially, uh, you may have heard through listening to the show that there's a there's a place that Hope is searching for called Pentel Vice. And um, it has been described as a prison on the show. And I'm inviting everyone who's listening to submit their ideas for the kinds of denizens that would populate Pentelvice. I want everyone, if they're interested in contributing, to go to our Frog Pants community Discord. It's, it contains our show Discord for There'll Be Dungeons. And there's a channel in there, which is called, like, Make Monsters Community Event. Mm-hmm. Um, so go in there, just start chatting around. It's really loose and disorganized and unofficial. It's official, but you know, there isn't a, uh, you know, a site to go to. You just post your stuff in there let other people see it, uh, chat around. And we're going to populate this dungeon with player creations and you can do anything. Groups of people, individuals, anything that would have a prime material plane presence. So throughout the cosmos of, uh, the real world and not the outer planes or heavens um, would be potentially here. So there's no idea too small or too large, except for anything the size of Tarasks and maybe God level creatures. None of those, please. But you know, CR 18 and down, uh, you can look at anything and uh, just submit away. And we may, you know, provide feedback. We may look at them. Uh, if you, some, we have uh, one of our fan artists, uh, Ron, Sorry, it's R.C. Tang. I uh, just don't have, I don't want to say the wrong name, uh, who's already submitted two drawings for Denizens, and oh, he's more taking nice. an approach there. Yeah. Um, he's drawn like great uh, sketches of us in pencil uh, before. So, all kinds of people are interested in contributing cool things. I don't know if I'll use them all. Hopefully, I will. That's the idea. Um, yeah, it's really freeform, and it can be traps, it can be a story, it can be monsters, it can even be maybe some dungeon layout. <laughs> Submit things, create, yes. uh, and visit us on our Discord. Yeah, and we'll go perfect. and we'll check those all the time. Of course, Bo, being the DM, will make all those final decisions, but we're really excited to see your work. So post it in there. And if you're like, well, where am I finding it? There will be dungeons.com is a link right to the Discord channel. It doesn't take any kind of invite or anything. You just join it. Um, if you have a Discord account already, you're, you're in. So super easy, sneezy wheezy. All right, 
Let's move on to these questions. These are submitted by you each month at the same website, by the way. Uh, and any way you want to get them to us, we're happy to take them. Thanks for the questions. We're going to hand it over to Kristen now, who will ask them of the group. Kristen. All righty. Welcome, everyone, today to the bonus episode. First message. Hi, all. Love the show. And despite falling a bit behind when pandemic times disrupted all of our schedules, I'm quickly catching up. You've also inspired me to put myself out there and find a group to play with, and we are just having the best time with it. As a new player, I have two questions for you seasoned veterans. Number one, and we'll take this one at a time, how do you take notes on the campaign? I tend to either be so focused on the game that I forget to write anything at all, or take notes in such a haphazard manner that they are indecipherable at the next session. Do you have a system or layout that works for you? Are they me? Is this me? Did I write in? Because that's me. I'm terrible <laughs> at keeping notes. Oh, dude, me too. I'm horrible at it. I mean, I wish I, I mean, part of, part of me is like, oh man, I wish I had a little baby here so I could sort of say, oh, I don't remember that because I, because Chunks was, you know, whatever. Like I, you never use that excuse, but I would use it like crazy and I would use it erroneously because the truth is I'm terrible at it. I forget to write shit down. Sometimes I do, but then I can't read it later. I am notoriously bad at this. So I'm the worst to ask. My guess is John is like meticulous about it because I see his head go down and a sort of furious handwriting motion happen a lot. So, John, am, am I wrong? You're like the note guy. I wouldn't say I'm good at it. I started trying to be extremely meticulous, and I it didn't work out great because I was either missing things because I was too busy writing, or I was you know kind of the other way around. It's that thing where it's like, oh, well, I wrote this, but I missed the most important part. And what I quickly realized, and this is by no means shade, um, but I realized that my memory for what happened is about on par with where Bose is. And so I don't need meticulous notes. I need good enough notes. And then my memory will take care of the rest. Um, because Bose campaign does not require, well, I need to remember the book that was on the bookcase and what were the names of all of those books that were lining the shelf. And I think that's great. That's not me throwing shade at Bo. He's just made a campaign where he's taken that pressure off of us. So my notes in the beginning were very detailed. It was like, here's their name. Here's their description. Here's what they were. Here's what they're into. I had all these crazy details about things. Now I have a tendency to just write names, what they are, and then... I'll kind of sum up what was going on at the time and I'll use that and just use it to jog my memory because I found my memory is about as effective as it needs to be so far. Well, that's impressive because I always think that you writing stuff down and then reading it, but you're, you're recalling a lot of that stuff you're saying. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example. We, we met the therapists and the only notes I have for that is four gray elves, their therapists, Dr. Zanzafir, Dr. Tindalanthalos, uh, and I have an arrow pointing to him saying Varel, so I'm guessing that's Varel's therapist. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Mahasibi, which has got an arrow pointing to it saying Nash. Uh, Dr. Jome Anathar with an arrow that says Stanley. Um, so I, I've kind of... Who, who's with Stanley's again? Sorry. Jome Anathar? Okay, thanks. Because <laughs> Bo doesn't write. No, he obviously. I know. I have a note. I'm making a joke. Sorry. <laughs> That's good. I got well, I'm it. curious about uh, Kyle, too, because he often comes in with the list of accomplishments. 
that I'll often hear and go, oh, yeah, I guess we did do that at some point, didn't we? Well, that's very much like for the character. So when we started the campaign, I was all over the notes because I was like, oh, man, you know, Bo might pull some DM like, do you remember? And, you know, can you solve a puzzle or instantly have it? But then I realized that Varel wouldn't care about those things and wouldn't remember names. So I purposely stopped. So Varel wouldn't sort of take over that role in order to maintain his character. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Taking notes based on what your character. Oh, right. What they would yeah. want to remember. Yeah. Well, in that case, I'm living out Nash exactly the way he's supposed there to. There you go. Well, and it, is, it is true because I play in another campaign and I played a character where they are not in, invested in what's going on at all. They have no, they don't care what the quest is. They don't, they have a, a high minded idea of what's going on and that's about it. And I didn't take notes. I just, I just kind of doodled and would occasionally, if somebody said something directly to him, I'd write that down. But otherwise I'd skip it because for the same reason Kyle said, the character doesn't know that. Well, the most notes I've taken, I just did a little search here for an episode, was actually John's one-off, weirdly. Mm. Um, and it's like a pretty big bunch of notes. I'll rip through this first part here because it's just kind of funny. North of Rivia in Serifax. Okay, does that sound right, John? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know I had a place called Rivia, but... Or yeah. Rivia, I assume it's Rivia. Near the mountains in the town of Andorella, uh, very religious people. They love gods and lots of superstition. Um, let's see. The gods speak to the destined. They need to be. Uh, they need me to be a mercenary there. The town seems hastily built. And then finally, I am allergic to cat people, which I think was a reference to <laughs> Bo's character. Yep. Right? Okay. So anyway, I, the most notes well, I've ever taken. For, uh, that was for what's his name? That was for... Um, I can't Carpoon. Even- Garpoon. Yeah, Garpoon. Yeah. yeah, Garpoon is allergic to to cats, and therefore Bo's character, the cat character. The funny yeah. thing is, is those notes. I those are for I think you're in my one off session. That wasn't in the campaign. Oh, that was where yeah. you learned that you were the. Uh, and we talked about this, so it's not a huge reveal, although it might be to listeners that uh, Garpoon was actually hired to be a bodyguard for Kristen's character. Oh, and right. That was why he was there. Uh, it had nothing to do with the other quest. Yeah. And she was meant not to know it. I was like, a, I was sent to secretly. So How did I not figure this out? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> freaking cat. But yeah, uh, that's the only time I really ever took like super detailed notes. But a lot of this stuff is just like what I, I mean, I want to write down what I have on me. Like when I picked up the, stupid peelings i still have a bunch of those are you know on a list somewhere and i'm glad they got some action today yeah back when i had that Mm -hmm. cloak that had all this needful stuff on it i kept really rigorous uh, track of what i'd used and what i hadn't so there's that but yeah i want to comment on on stanley's uh john's uh statements Uh, i don't think it was insulting at all i think it's it's very deliberate actually i feel like knowledge that you gain like there's two types of notes there's your character notes like i assume varel at kyle you have a word document with where you log your accomplishments in order to expand your title and that's like a thing you maintain um which is a way it's just a form of note taking because that's how you remember everything that happened but also probably real lizard folk would tell their oral stories that way so it's like it's in character note taking which is separate from as a player your notes right so it's like i may not act on this information but the reason you would take notes is because it happened in weeks prior so one of the things i did notice is that 
memories were foggy week to week. So we play shorter sessions and we let a week go by and a lot of details fall off. And I've learned over the weeks what gets retained and what's like, everyone's like, I need a reminder, which it is my job to remind you guys of those things because it's only a week happened for us, but it was like two hours ago with the characters. I got to, the players are going to be like, so what happened two hours ago that I would normally remember? That means the player don't remember. And I've got to be like, uh, I'm human too. Um, so I find that knowledge-based puzzles, when you're trying to show people something like nuanced and small that and reward clever, um, I think you got to do that within the same session. So I noticed I was planning sessions. You're getting the knowledge. Then a week or two goes by. Like even this leg of the adventure, we're going to be on week three in the forest. And I thought maybe it'd be a one week kind of thing. You just never know how long something's going to take because it depends on what the players decide to do and how it all, all unfolds. So puzzles that require like attention to detail, not everyone, except for those people that are really good with that kind of stuff. Not everyone's really great at remembering those things. And I don't want to punish people for just being humans, having fun playing a game. So I tend not to focus on that stuff unless I can think I can do it within the same session. I think it's easier if you have like a whole evening and you're doing six to seven hours or something long to do those kinds of things and make something an hour one pay off an hour six. But it's very hard with the three hours that we have to plant something that's very innocuous, seemingly random and make it an essential thing within that three hours. If we have to go to next week, that small innocuous thing, nobody remembers because it was small and innocuous, like a book or a note or something. So that's been my thinking on it as well. So I try not, and also I feel Kyle would respond the best to things like that, but he is playing his character and all my efforts to get him interested into books. He has responded appropriately in character and I have learned (laughs) to not try and design things (laughs) like that for him. Even though I think Kyle, if you got to play wizard would be out wizarding the world with the best wizard ever. I think you're a wizard DNA person. (laughs) thank you yeah i think that's your like you know you're playing against type uh, in the show and um anyways those are my thoughts cool and part two of this is kind of tied to that whole idea um where it's two hours in game but we take a week break how do you manage to stay so well in character i find that often i have to deliberately think about what my character would wouldn't do in a given situation and by the time i figured it out the moment has passed do you have any tips on the acting part of the game and how do you all seem to so effortlessly effortlessly stay in character? Oh jeez. I think we have practice. a lot of yeah, I think we have a lot of drama background people here, which probably yeah. means we have some skills built up. Um I know I know I do. Uh you know, f- for me one of the things that that I will frequently do for one, just because I love this game and I love playing it so much. And, you know, one time a week doesn't feel like enough um, is that sometimes when I just want to get my mind off of what's going on and focused on other things, I will just talk in character. I will put myself in a moment and go, okay, well, you know, what if Pharrell was saying this to Stanley? Here's what Stanley would say. Or I'll take a moment from a session that we did previously, and I'll maybe interact a moment that didn't happen or something, just to kind of see where Stanley's head is at. Um, And it kind of just puts me in that mindset to where it's very easy to drop back in in a moment's notice when something happens. And just go, oh, well, this is how he'd react. And it's not that I've prepared it. It's just that as you get more comfortable with the character, it becomes second nature to do what they would do. 
Yeah, mm. I I think mm-hmm. part of it is just doing it so long, right? Like, I mean, that's part of it for me. And Nash, I mean, I, let's be honest. Nash is just kind of a tr- trash trash sorcerer. He's just kind of a garbage monster. And that's by intention. But it's not like, um, I don't have to jump through any kind of crazy hoops to role play that dude. But I do know what he would do in, in any given situation. And today's ex- uh, episode was a really good example of that. Um if there's throbbing blue things on the wall, he will try to eat it or smell it or something. <laughs> yeah. See, sometimes I worry that you envisioned your character as a little bit villainous and intense and cool. And then you do things like that in an episode. And I'm like, oh, no, no, we're okay. Like yeah, sometimes yeah. I worry I, I put cast you in that role of like goofball. No, no, no. It's like, not no, you no, at all. Scott doing that. Once in a while, <laughs> once in a while, he, he will take himself very seriously and things will get serious for him. And then he'll go ooh shiny and then something dumb will happen on the side and and i think that was that that was always sort of the intent it's gotten easier to maintain that over time to kind of balance those two things and at the same time yeah yeah it's it's fine you know like i gave you i give you opportunities to be serious remember when uh, angela she said revealed to you she's a shifter and you were just worried that she looked strange yeah <laughs> you're like you look, you're like you look like a fish per- you know you weren't you were mean but you were definitely no. concerned about the wrong thing right but but, but it's <laughs> but it's concerned that he would ha- that he would have and it would be the first thing on his mind instead of like no the real problem here is you know this is a life-altering thing should be this serious thing but he's just like oh, everyone's dude, like it's still weird. the same soul that you love why are you freaking out and you're like she doesn't look the same <laughs> That's not who I married. Like, there's a lot of that in him. And, oh, that's and, a real feeling. That's okay. But yeah. anyways, like, I, your reactions are very, like, uh, just great. Well, I love playing him that way, and I'm glad he is who he is. But I have to admit, you know, it's fun once in a while when we get to... Uh, the one-off with, with uh, Garpoon was really fun because that's a completely different angle. And doing what I did with Hack, Hack uh, Loman is, uh, you know, another bit of difference that just kind of takes us away from who Nash is. But... I always, whenever we're doing those one-offs or, you know, spending time with other characters or even the clown, I just long to get back to Nash's brand of, I'm going to shit on the floor and then rain down fire. Like he's just a, just a jackass, you know, like, and uh, hopefully a somewhat lovable jackass to some people. Like I hope, I hope listeners don't see him as just like a a freaking turd stain all the time because he's not meant to be. He's got a heart of gold. He does. And I think, too, acting, all it is is playing pretend. And as we grow up from childhood, a lot of us kind of lose touch with that. But I think um, those of us that stay in the arts really keep connected with it because it's it's like an emotional thing. Playing pretend means you get to pretend to be something and feel those things, emotions, even though they're not your own. Whether that's art, singing, acting, it's all of that is so emotional. Um, so if you're having trouble getting back into that, like John said, play pretend, like who's your favorite movie character or is there a song that like really gets your blood pumping or makes you feel really down and depressed? Listen to that stuff on repeat or pretend to be that person on repeat and just hammer it in until you can start pretending to be that person outside of where they exist artistically. And then you can start to have a feel for what it's like to put yourself in a character's body and get back to that pretend pillow fort kind of a thing. I'm the king of the castle, even though I'm three years old and still pooping my pants. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to That observation about adulthood is like the key there. Adults stop pretending 
because it's yeah. beneath them. It's embarrassing. Maybe they'll do it with their kids or in certain social situations where it's acceptable, but they won't run around acting like fools. But it's how you learned. It's like, oh, I have this learning tool. Well, let me stop using this learning tool because I'm embarrassed of it. And that's essentially why people get scared of, you know, for whatever reason, scared of acting or have that relationship with it. But it's really just playing. And the people that do it really well have like practiced at their art in such a way that, you know, it's believable uh, to people. Well, yeah. I think we there's, a, there's another layer that happens with gamers because they have so much self-preservation when they play Iron Man modes or Darkest Dungeon that they hit D&D and they struggle to play their character because they're too concerned about dying all the time. Mm, and that'll yeah. hold them back from making those awesome decisions to do a front flip axe attack that could end in a one and your own demise. <laughs> I'm picturing Varel flipping with an axe. Yeah. <laughs> His dexterity is awful. I'm not going to try flips, but you know, there's a yeah. lot of harm's way that you have to be put in and your career is adventuring. So you have to let the character already be dead in your mind so you can enjoy them yeah. in kind yeah. of a I roundabout way. I agree. Yeah. There's no winning in is there's really no winning in D and D. It's just a story. So this idea that you can play, I guess you can take that and make that as part of your game if you're doing Adventures League or some group that prefers that ethos. But the shared storytelling side and everyone has a good sense of improvisation here. They're aware that when things happen, their characters they imagine a reaction, and I think everyone here is more concerned about reacting true to their what they imagine of their character than trying to win a game but the characters are trying to survive and beat the opponent so they just wouldn't think of things like well my character would attack here but instead i'm gonna step back 10 feet move to the right twirl around because i get an edge in my attack roll that way or yeah. something like that you know what i mean think, so, of, think of nash yeah. with like his spell slots the way somebody might be with making sure that they never spend the 10 bucks in their wallet but they jump off a cliff and die but at least that 10 bucks got saved it's kind of his attitude like i don't want to spend all my magic right here but then i'll eat a mushroom that could kill me you know like there there's a there's a there's a mix of like being tight with your resources for me in this game and you know running into the fire and i kind of mm-hmm. i kind of yeah. like it <laughs> yeah. i don't get to do that I in real lo- life i so. loved all the liberal use of polymorph today let me tell you oh yeah that was great oh yeah polymorph's okay. a great spell i love that spell fun to watch i thought of it last night in bed i was like we're about to fight a bear t-rex thing i'm sure man what if i turned into a t-rex i could do that i could make that happen and then i just saw the guy from godzilla go and let them fight and i was like i'm gonna do it that's the other trouble with time between sessions not that it's a problem just that if i present a scenario and then we go away for a week somebody invariably pones (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like I found these interactions and we're going to do this. I'm guilty of it. I just don't play that much. So nobody has to suffer, but for sure. All right. A question for Kyle. When you were planning the makeshift weapons for the gang, did you have all the carcass combinations planned ahead of time or did you come up with it on the spot? The shield for Nash really cracked me up. <laughs> nope, I was just going over the list. You can make those exact like seven items and only those seven items. So I just divvied them out. Yeah. I love that. That was a really good one. Good moment. 
Uh, Superfly Dave gave us a huge list of questions, so we can try and bust these out if you want as fast as possible. Uh, first one, how many dice sets do you have? I have one. I have two. Um, one inside these rad cases John sent us, and I use them for, it's funny, I use them for a lot of stuff when I play games with my kids, but I barely, I, do, I really don't use dice for the show except digital stuff, but I have two sets. My daughter has four well, sets. Now you got that sweet app. Uh, you're probably not going to switch. Well, now that I got that app that yeah. gives me roll 20s every four turns, then, you know, <laughs> why would I leave Yeah, and that? I know it looks, it would hold up to scrutiny because that guy just basically, when he's going to cheat on your rolls, he turns a switch, it changes your app to the favorable situation. You roll, and then he turns it off remotely. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's watching it. I like imagining that the cheating scenario is so unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. <laughs> like just as a joke. No, that's a good conscience. If you're going to have a conspiracy, it's got to be weird, right? You got to go all yeah. the way. So you got to find explanations for everything, no matter yeah. how improbable. Yeah, I'm fine with that. And anything you can't cover, you just say, "Well, that's just someone made that up." You know, you just, <laughs> we got that. We I have know about what we're 23 doing. Twenty three dice sets. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Shut up. You have twenty three. <laughs> yeah, Scott's the record holder. Or John, you mean? I have a bowl of dice. I don't know how many. Why, John, do you have so many of those? Why so many just love to get different ones or what? I like, yeah, well, one, I ordered a big bag of dice because I was like, well, you know, I want, I want some cool dice. So I'm going to order a big bag. You know, what if I, what if I spend a lot of money on one set that I think looks really cool and it turns out it's cursed and I just roll ones with it and it's awful. You know, let's let's spend that same amount of money and get 18 sets. And then I got a little choice options here. Mm. And then I went ahead and bought the other sets anyway. <laughs> but I mostly <laughs> I mostly use two. I use two sets for Stanley. If I roll physically, I've been using the, the app a lot. I have two sets that I use for Stanley. And I have two sets that sit next to that that I use in the other game I play. And really, that's it. But I do have others if I'm doing one-offs. I feel very weird about using the same dice set for different characters. Yeah, I like how you have used mm. four, so you have 19 backups. Yep. Mm -hmm. Every dice. Yep. Yeah. Whoever your new character is, you're safe. You're good. Yep, I'm ready. Bo, you have a lot, though, right? You're always dropping them. I uh, not as backups. many as John. Jeez, yeah. I have a bowl of dice that I've collected over my years. So some of these are actually pretty old. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I try not to be too precious about dice anymore. Um, so, I, you know, because you're like, oh, I got this dice set, but everything requires multiple dice. So whenever you have, let's say you have a blue set and it's like 3D6, but you only have two blue dice and I got to put a different color in with the other dice, I get irritated mm. when I have special dice. But if I just have a bowl of random dice, then I don't think about it anymore. And yeah. I know that's a strange answer, but. <laughs> no, that makes I, sense. I, I mean, I got to commit to diversity or only roll dice of the same color. Like, if I'm going to commit to having a color of dice, then yeah. all of the dice have to match. Or you got to go feel one way or the other. Not sure. great about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like it. I like that. Yeah. Kyle? Oh, <laughs> 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 How many dice does this uh, have? Who polymorphed Kyle again? I had, to, I had to stop blowing bubbles in order to answer the question. So it's a bit of a, it's a tragedy around here. Uh, <laughs> I have a amalgamation set that is built from my original set that I had got when I was 13. So I've lost many, but I still got the D20 and a couple of them. But otherwise, it's all just replaced with dice from a Megacon um, pitcher. Like they, they had a huge vat of dice and I dipped the pitcher. Oh, wow. Mm, nice. That's oh, my God. That's a lot of dice in a pitcher then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Hey, Stanley, what's with the dictionary? Uh, what's with the dictionary? We're <laughs> <laughs> jumping like, questions, sorry. Uh, yeah. No, I like it. That's a that's a great that's a great question. Uh, he has a dictionary that he carries around, um, and it's uh, he learned words from it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe one day we'll get into where mm. that came from. Yeah, there's a lot of sentimentality mm. to it. Um, we've revealed. I guess uh, here, I want. I always feel like I should give somebody something if they took the time to answer the question. If you open up the dictionary, the front cover or the the inside front page of it has a sticker on it that says, "This book is or this book belongs to or this, this book is the property of." And written in there is the word is the name Stanley Billings, but it was written ages ago when that book actually belonged to somebody. Oh, oh sweet little tidbit for the bonus show, guys! Ooh. And you didn't reveal too much. I have many questions. Oh. All right, Nash, how does it feel being a father? Uh, so that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so with my you know chair. having actual kids. Uh, in real life has has informed this a little bit um when i first had when i first had my first daughter i was terrified i was just like i don't know what i'm doing this is you know what if they're what if i raise a a bad person you know like you have these weird fears these existential fears about how to how to feel as a parent and whatever and used to stress me out pretty bad in the beginning and then uh quickly learned that that was just hooey and everything would be fine. So the first, the first birth, I was a freak. And the next one I was like, Oh, this is all right. And by the third one, I felt like I was all good. And this was interesting because this was everybody all at once. And so Nash had to, had to figure out how to feel about all of it all at the same time and deal with the shapeshifty business, which was being, you know, hoisted on him at the same time. So he's probably got stuff deep down. He's going to have to deal with still that, he didn't take care of. He was too shocked by it and too weirded out that his wife looked like a fish now. And that just weirded him out. And his kid was a fork for a while. And then he wasn't a fork. And now he's a fork sometimes again. And you know, like these, the kids with all their shape shape shifting is going to be interesting for him. But that's, that's where probably he and I, well, he's accepted his responsibility. So Nash is all in on, you know, taking responsibility for this, being there for these kids being there for for Angie, all that, but I guess I, I guess I would say it's not that different than what I felt like, because <laughs> I didn't. Not that my wife suddenly looked like a fish, but this whole experience was just like so life altering at the time that I just thought, well, okay, here we go. This is just this is all new. Can I even do this? Can I even handle this? And yeah, you totally can. And you find it, you know, you you find your legs and you're good. And and then it's the most amazing thing you ever did. So you know, national. I, depending on what Bo is going to let us do, Nash will, you know, have a chance to see these kids grow up to be fine shape shifting citizens, and uh, and hopefully, I don't know, hopefully, some of my fathering techniques will probably show up in the way Nash handles stuff. But also, it's very, it's also very common for me to take off hunting with a bunch of people while uh, the wife is at home <laughs> taking care of the newborn. kids. Yeah. Maybe, maybe don't tie Scott to Nash in that way. <laughs> I have a feeling Nash is probably going to do something Scott wouldn't do. But if you're on record saying that your rearing is similar. No, you you're might, right. You're right. Child He's, protection services might 
drop by. Right. And... No, he, you're right. Like, have There's... you been dipping your uh, feeding your children glowing mushrooms? <laughs> right. No, there won't be any of that. The but vegetable he'll, peelings. He'll, he'll definitely. <laughs> he'll definitely. Uh, there'll be moments of struggle where, you know, he's just going to have. He still isn't grappling with. Well, suddenly he's a shapeshifter. He's one of them. Like, what does that even mean? Like, this all this hunt is done, and all of this distraction has been just that—a distraction—and he doesn't know what to do. And I don't know what he should do yet because he's going to have to face that music at some point. Yeah. Figure out who. Varel. Oh, sorry, Varel. If you said if it it wasn't for Bachpock's butterfly effect, you have never gone down the rabbit hole of Lizard King. Where do you think Varel would be now if not for the Boxster? <laughs> the Boxster. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I think uh, the obvious calling beyond that would have been to be the good character of the group, and he probably would have pursued that paladin business. Yeah, you were talking about lot, a lot about that early on. It was just, it was a role that need filled. It, the party needed that kind of push in the direction. And luckily, like, Burrell's code of honor could maintain that pressure and keep the group together. And now he's got like this kind of like, you know, therapy friendship sort of thing going on. So I think it would have been very similar. It's just I'd have levels in Paladin. It happened organically. I, I take it you, your character, the way you imagined it, I don't know, at some point made a decision like, oh, like did something happen to make you, it just feels like you're, I can see that your efforts are more in that direction since leaving Sigil at least. There was, I, it's also a big call around uh, Squirt's death would have hit Varel mm. harder than the character is going to talk about to anybody. So yeah. he needs to maintain the connections, make sure everybody's safe. And for him, that would turn into be more brave, always be in front, always be keeping the group together and no stragglers, nobody too weak to join this fight that is unproven. Yeah, you hear that underwear? No stragglers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like George Jetson's car, man. Floating around there. Yeah. Uh, I just say that because you lag behind today, you know. For I totally don't. No stragglers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm coming. As fast yeah, as no, I, can. I do see that. So it's. I think. I think what I'm sort of enjoying, and this is just my observation. I don't know if it's any will, but everyone here is like into storytelling, films, books, you name it, uh, and now you know theater too. Like into dramatic, understand dramatic drama and dramatic devices enough that they're able to kind of pick up cues as to when a decision a point occurs for their character like or an event and like that stuff happens internally so it doesn't get shared on the show but if you're following the show or you're watching like i am watching you guys i do notice when you take an event and you decide to shift things because of that event i think one of them happened today and probably nobody except me noticed and the person who did it and i'm not going to out them it's possible I, I could also could be imagining it, but I like that you guys have these four players in particular. I don't know if I imagine all D and D players do it, but their characters really do have secret lives. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad we actually got to talk about two of them, the book inscription, which might've come up on the show. Maybe it didn't. And Varel's thinking now, because it, I think it helps heighten people's understandings of the character. when We play it. So I really liked hearing those things. And this one's for you, Bo. The last few episodes have, in my opinion, been excellent. The tie in with mm -hmm. Nash or N4SH and Stanley was dope, and the explanation of the time barf was great. 
He said before you get inspiration for settings from things you watch. What inspired Time Barf? And more importantly, what are you watching now? Oh, boy. Uh, Time Barf comes from, in general, uh, my agreement with how time travel and narratives is done poorly. Like the Back to the Future stuff, no. And even the Avengers stuff, no. Because these are literary devices meant to tell tales, and they're not actually interested in the science of time. I am interested in time. I remember there was one New Year's Eve I spent alone reading the Wikipedia page of time as a thing that I did. And then I rabbit hole everything I can learn about time. And I have a tendency to tune into theoretical physics talks <laughs> and podcasts. And it's all way above my head, but I love listening to it. The one I'm looking at, and I haven't finished in particular, is Eric Weinstein has released his, he's developed this unified field of everything theory that is meant to be progression in theoretical physics over Albert Einstein. Eric Weinstein's big take on things being that theoretical physics has been stuck for 50 or 60 years and hasn't developed anything new. And so he is submitting something new and I've gotten through the first 10 minutes of it. And I'm like, Oh boy, as I don't, I didn't take theoretical physics. I just have a passing interest in it. And time is, the fact that time is a measurement in a lot of physics, uh, but that it remains this constant that we all just assume works in a specific way, fascinates me because we can't touch it. We can't smell it. We can't even really measure it. Our measurements are relative to the movement of the earth and are not an objective observation of time and what it might be. And I like to spend time imagining what time might be. And that entry that I wrote in Stanley's book was an entry I just wrote unrelated to There Will Be Dungeons as I'm theorizing what time might be and working on the problem in my head. And, you know, I think about things like molecules of water, water moving in the ocean. Do they always move in the same direction or do they move in random directions? And does each of those random directions imply different universes even there because they could be moving anywhere? But then maybe they always have to move that way because the world is a series of rules and things behave in certain ways. And to the human mind, it seems random, or but it's actually always meant to be that way. And therefore, everything's predetermined because the molecule is predetermined. And thus, what is time exactly? You know, and anyways, I could go on and on and on. I'll stop there. But I tend to write down these thoughts. And then sometimes I'm like, this sounds like sciencey mystical shit. Let me throw out my D&D campaign. And... <laughs> And time travel had come up, and it was no coincidence. My vision of time travel is very specific. Time barf isn't just a throwaway joke. I actually think time, if it does branch into different universes, it branches like barf. It branches each molecule, every unit of time, spits out however many possibilities it can spit out. And if we're making new universes, then every molecule in existence makes new universes with the randomness of what it might be doing. And you see how you can get lost in all of this thought, and I like writing it down. And uh, and that my time travel imaginings are very much a deep part about this of this campaign. Probably the thing I've spent the most time thinking about. So, yeah, expect more of it. <laughs> more time barf. You heard it here, folks. It's gonna happen. Oh, and what am I? Wa- oh, I already said what I was watching. Okay. Uh, the other th- for time specifically, I just recommend you know, watching a few YouTube videos about Albert Einstein and theory of relativity and all that. Nice. Mm. You're a big proponent of the, uh, the, the, the hairy curly haired, uh, German men. That's what you're saying. Got it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let I me mean, get, we got time for one the more. The world is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, let's do one more. What else you got? All right, cool. I'll take one here off the chart 
for me, are you really the big bad and the principal is a red herring? I can confirm <laughs> that I'm not, but I could see a universe where that happened. Like, I think if, because I, honest to God, thought that when Hope put on the hand and walked away, that was it for Hope for a while. And that's why I kind of cried on the show. So I was like, oh my God, this is, this is the end. So I was shocked that there was more that happened and now she's even back with the group so that's prompted a huge uh character switch that's happening currently so you're, so you're a big bad you're just not the big bad yeah and there are like there are two big ways this could go possibly more hope decides to go evil and really embrace because resurrecting the god and getting tossed away like all of his other used things or I don't want to say it, but maybe betraying him and finding a way to kill him. Mm. One thing, one, <laughs> I revealed too much. Well, one thing I will say is that the fight for a person's soul is dramatically very interesting. So don't be in a rush to answer that question. Yeah. Keep that open. I'm just you can do whatever you want, but you know, fighting for someone's soul is always a fun story. So you know, yeah, it's true. I mean, to me, I'm, the fun thing about D and D is that you know it's. It's not like watching a movie. It's not, okay, well, we're going to have, you know, level four to five, and it's going to be this nice, beautiful, self-contained thing, and everybody's mm-hmm. going to come out better for it, and the hero's going to have a lucky lady on his arm when he gets to the end there, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not It's just not that. Like, your characters are going to make good choices, make bad choices. They're going to learn lessons. They're going to maybe grow as a person. And then immediately the next big event that happens in their life is going to just turn them 180 degrees and just send them <laughs> off again. And, and you never know. And, and even for Stanley, I have felt that there've been times where I'm like, Oh my God, he is the worst. And there've been times where I'm like, you know what? It's nice. It's nice to get to play a heroic character. And then one more thing will happen. I'm like, well, he's garbage again. Look, this is how we ended up. <laughs> Basically people are complicated. Yeah. That's what you're saying. And interesting characters are complicated. I agree. We will continue to complicate the landscape of 5th edition rules of D&D. We can count on that. (laughs) It's our function in life. That is what we do. Um, But we love your feedback. We love these questions. Any that we didn't get to this week, we'll forward to next month. Don't worry. Uh, We'll make sure we get to everybody's that we can. Each and every time we do this, big thanks for your support and making it possible. And uh, we're glad to do these bonus episodes. We hope you like them as well. Send us your feedback and uh, get us on the website. We're over there at uh, therewillbedungeons.com. All links are there. That'll do it for us, for all of us, for all of you. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.